You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm the teaching pastor here at Forefront Church. Welcome, welcome, one and all. It's a pleasure to be in worship with you today. If you have had the week that I have had, you are very grateful to be here and to be in a place of community where you just feel loved and supported. So I'm really uh, very excited about sharing today's sermon. Our focus today is on celebrating humility through diversity. Opening question, how many people are familiar with or have worked in a flat leadership model organization? Just by a show of hands, couple people, yeah. Okay, great, so um, just to give you some background on the history of Forefront, last year, January 2021, Forefront moved to uh, a flat leadership model and we now have an executive council and it's composed of three people Reverend Josh Lee, who is the community pastor. You just heard from Mackenzie Gomez. She is our executive producer, and I'm the teaching pastor. And we come together in this model, so it's not a hierarchical structure. We all work in this flat leadership paradigm. Um, We also work very closely with our staff. We which is comprised of a team of um, individuals who meet weekly. Uh, Angela is our worship pastor. Uh, Robbie handles our tech. Natasha handles our accounting. And Sean, our marketing. So we all come together with our leadership team and deacons. Sure hope you're coming out next week for the commissioning. Uh, We come together with everyone to ensure that this church is well taken care of. So because our leadership responsibilities are shared, this operational structure lends itself to enhanced creativity, coordination, transparency, more communication, certainly accountability, and we gotta have fun, because we have a lot of fun, um, as we usher in the next 500 years of Christianity. So because there are um, So many of us coming from so many different places. We have Gen Xers, we have some Gen Zers, or or, or Gen Ys, excuse me. Um, Many of us are coming from different parts of the country. Some of us hail from the East Coast, some the West Coast. We have um, a myriad of sexualities. Um, We're very um, reflective of um, our congregation. Uh, Because of this, we are very fortunate to be able to have many courageous conversations. All right, calls for quite a number of um, conversations, leaning into understanding where people are coming from. It calls for emotional maturity in this leadership model. It calls for understanding, and no matter what, it calls for believing the best in each other. 
at all times. And because of that, we've been able to function quite well. And I really am grateful for that, and I really thank God for that. So in essence, what we are doing is practicing humility in our efforts and work in serving this church. Humility is a lack of pride. Humility is an understanding that someone else's thoughts and opinions and perspectives are just as important as our own. Humility is a recognition that we don't know it all and that our way is not the only way. Humility is, well, being humble. So I had the opportunity to conduct volunteer training for a group of advocates, and they gave me the curriculum, and one of the modules focused on a term that I first became familiar with during this time, and that term is cultural humility. Dr. Melanie Turvalon and Jan, Dr. Jan Mary Garcia, who are physicians, educators, and advocates for change, frame humility as an awareness of our diverse backgrounds and experiences with this particular term, cultural humility. Even though it was coined over three decades ago to educate physicians to work with culturally, ethnically, and racially diverse populations, the concept certainly carries significance for us today, or for anyone working or studying or interacting with someone who is different from yourself. Different in terms of race, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, geographic location, and so on and so forth. So cultural humility is a lifelong process of self-reflection and self-critique. It's understanding that it is sort of the next step in cultural competence. Oftentimes we attend trainings on cultural competence and we feel like, okay, I know everything there is to know about someone else's culture. Um, rather, with cultural humility, you continually learn. You are lifelong learners. And it's where we not only learn about another's culture, but it's where we start with an examination of our own beliefs and cultural identities. I have the opportunity to adjunct a race, gender, and the media course for Newhouse NYC, and one of the elements of my curriculum are culture shares. So I have the opportunity to invite students to bring in something, a picture or object or something reflective of their culture, and they're able to share whatever culture they want to represent with the rest of the class. In this way, my hope our hope as an institution is that those students who are learning about different backgrounds and experiences will be those students in the room in their various uh, communication fields. They'll be the ones to speak up and say, well, wait a minute, whose voices are being represented? Whose voices being reflected? Who's telling whose stories, right? So the more we have an understanding for different people and their experiences, that will help us think critically about inclusivity, representation, and the like. One of the things that cultural humility does is it disrupts hierarchies and it puts people in mutually beneficial relationships and it attempts to diminish damaging power dynamics. In today's scripture, 
I believe that John the Baptist and Jesus exercised a form of cultural humility, understanding who they were as they had an awareness and mutual respect for each other's identity and calling. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, John the baptizer had been baptizing and preaching. He was a voice crying out in the wilderness, urging people to prepare ye the way of the Lord. In Matthew 3, it says, And in those days cometh John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of through Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ye ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This kingdom of God, a different type of kingdom than they were familiar with, not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom, an upside-down kingdom, if you will, a kingdom that would allow uh, the last to be first and the first to be last, a kingdom that would invite everyone in and not keep people out, a kingdom that would exercise love, unconditional love at all costs. John the Baptist was a relative and forerunner of Jesus. He was of priestly heritage and origin as Zechariah, his father, was a priest and his mother, Elizabeth, was the daughter of a high priestly house. The mother of Jesus and the mother of John the Baptist were expecting around the same time and both experienced miraculous conceptions. Mary, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then Elizabeth and Zechariah being able to give birth to John the Baptist well past their childbearing age. And in what, what appears to be their first connection, John the Baptist in his mother's womb seems to recognize Jesus, also still in his mother's womb, as his Lord. Luke 1 and 41 says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It is believed that John the Baptist spent his formative years in the Judean desert where he was affiliated with the strict Jewish sect, the Essenes. He wore very interesting attire, camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. This attire was said to be reflective of traditional garb of prophets, and his diet was reflective of a disciplined life. John the Baptist rose to a level of prominence as a prophet with baptism and repentance being his central themes, repentance, turning away from, having a different mindset, a different way of looking at things. And he gets excited when he sees Jesus. In John 1 and 15, it says, John pointed him out and called, this is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me 
has always had the first word. In Mark 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. These relatives, having been raised seemingly differently and one being in the wilderness, one in the home of a carpenter, it appears that even though they were coming from different backgrounds, they had a respect for each other's gifts and callings. John understood he was the one to prepare the way for Jesus. He understood that although some presumed him to be the Messiah, he let people know that he was not. Even though Jesus knew that he was the Messiah, he still allowed John the baptizer to baptize him. Both practice humility and a form, I would dare say, of cultural humility. In my sanctified imagination, I can imagine this particular scene and John seeing Jesus coming to him, knowing that he's the Messiah, saying, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can baptize him. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> and, the, and then Jesus, like coming, like kind of going through this. However, I know I can kind of sort of shoot right to my public ministry, but I need to go this way because I respect what God has in store. I respect the fact that John is supposed to baptize me, that he's supposed to bless me, that he's supposed to affirm me. Ultimately, they disrupt hierarchies and embrace a mutually beneficial connection, attempting to diminish what could have been damaging power dynamics. This here is a celebration of diversity, understanding they have different purposes and they are still able to come together in harmony to accomplish what they have been called to do. Every Sunday after church, my husband and I have the opportunity to get a massage, to get some acupuncture, get a little self-care in while we're in the city. But before that, we have the opportunity to do something extremely special. Those of us from this community is sort of impromptu. We just get together and have lunch. And I could refer to us, we don't have an official name, but as the lunch bunch, the brunch bunch, <laughs> you know. So this church, because it's racially diverse, we have people from so many different backgrounds and sexualities, the fact that we are able to come together after church and break bread together is so incredibly special and meaningful. Why? Because we get to build friendships and relationships. We get to hear each other's stories. We get to know what we're struggling with, what we could potentially pray for. We get to connect in a very real and powerful way. And in listening to others and being open to the experiences of others, we in fact are practicing a humility, a very special humility, which leads us to diversity. Maya Angelou said, you don't want modesty. Maya Angelou being the poet, the author, the great humanitarian. 
She said, you don't want modesty, you want humility. Humility comes from inside out. It says, someone was here before me and I'm here because I've been paid for. I have something to do and I will do that because I'm paying for someone else who has yet to come. So beautiful. Cultural humility seeks to look at power imbalances and seeks to deconstruct them. And that's why it's really important to extend love and grace and consider power and access when interacting with others and exercising humility. When we humble ourselves, we are able to show love, the love that Angela sang about today, having a love for God and a love for people, and that helps us love ourselves. And then we're able to have compassion for others and make the needs of others a priority and help others see the beauty in building connection with Jesus Christ. You know, when I was growing up, our house was like the house where tons of people would come and stay and like live with us for periods of time. Sometimes they would stay for like a week or a month or a weekend. And there were many people who were struggling, uh, people who really just needed a safe place. And in doing that, we showed humility, we showed compassion, and it helped us to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. And to be honest, I can't say, I can't remember, like we were like hardcore preaching to like everyone who came over, but the fact that we were in a space just welcoming people and breaking bread and sharing um, love with them, that was showing the love of Christ. And, you know, when I think about it, uh, and I had mentioned, you know, I don't necessarily know if what Jesus was thinking about, clearly we don't know, um, I wonder if Jesus was really thinking about, you know, getting to John the Baptist or not, or, you know, getting straight to his ministry. Um, technically, he probably could have just started preaching at any point. I mean, he's Jesus, he's the Messiah, he's God. However, he didn't. And this represents humility, understanding that someone else was able to touch him, to bless him, to affirm him. And this happened in community. And that's why it's so beautiful when we think about this whole scene not happening in a silo and not happening in isolation because ultimately other people saw this happening. Other people saw this going down. And as a result, there were many people whom scholars believe began to, after they were following John the Baptist and they heard the message, they and they saw this, they began to follow Jesus. They began to become disciples of Christ, which is super powerful. And as I think about our church and think about this cultural humility and how that's practiced, I see that being reflected in our small groups where there are a number of different groups meeting in different parts of the city, offering safe and brave spaces for people to come and just be their authentic selves, for people to come and just be. And that's a reflection of our church at large. And it's where people are able to be affirmed in their identities, and that's what we are striving for here at Forefront. Really being intentional about connecting and not othering people, but welcoming people in, into our homes, into our life experiences. There's a South African philosophy, Ubuntu. Have, how many of you have heard of this term before, Ubuntu? Yes, uh-huh. 
I am because we are, or I am because you are. And this particular term ultimately means what connects us is more important than what divides us, Ubuntu. What if this spirit of Ubuntu would not only permeate our church, but permeate our world? If that were the case, then maybe Asian bodies would not be at risk. Maybe black bodies and indigenous bodies would not be at risk. Then maybe trans bodies would not be at risk because people would value and respect other people. What if this spirit of Ubuntu was practiced uh, with, within our churches where maybe more women and queer folk and disabled folk and people of color would actually be leading our churches? A spirit of Ubuntu. I am because you are. I am because we are. What if this spirit of Ubuntu was operating where there would be no military invasion of the Ukraine and we would practice this understanding that it's so important to be concerned about what other people, what other nations are going through. Ubuntu, connected to cultural humility. The late Bishop Desmond Tutu practiced Ubuntu and he said, we have the ability as people to dig into our human values, to go for the best of them in order to bring about healing and to help bridge the gap. That's what we're looking to do here at Forefront, to be bridge builders, to help bridge the gap. We have a busy week ahead of us. Lent begins on Wednesday. We're looking forward to welcoming so many parishioners back next Sunday. This is the season of Lent, a time when we are able to deepen our faith. And then that calls us to have more opportunities, which we will, where we can connect with each other. So a practical suggestion and uh, certainly something that we will create space for are is to practice cultural shares. That's a practical suggestion. So whether it's small group, whether you're having a dinner party, or whenever you connect, maybe take the opportunity to hear the stories of others, or maybe ask them to bring an item that reflects their culture and help them um, open up about their culture. You can share, and it's something really beautiful. Another practical suggestion is if you come to 1115 service, you can volunteer to tear down, then you can join us for the lunch bunch. <laughs> so um, what a wonderful way to practice cultural humility because then you have lunch and you get to hear the stories of others and be connected in a very real and tangible way. In this interdenominational space where we continue to hold space for those with a myriad of unique faith experiences and identities, let's lean into this lifelong practice of self-reflection. Let's see the beauty in the humanities of others who may have a different perspective or out outlook. Let's celebrate our humility through our diverse connections with each other so that we can continue to join God in her work of fierce love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear God, 
thank you for this opportunity, this time to share, this time to think uh, critically about self-reflection and cultural humility. We know, dear God, that it's a lifelong process to be connected with others who we may not have had exposure to before, but we are open to leaning more into this as a community, and we pray for your help and for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us as we continue to move forward in our diversity efforts. We thank you, dear God, for everything that you have done for us. These prayers we ask in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.